everyone and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez and in this segment we are going to be discussing synastry or compatibility in Vedic astrology. Before we get started, let's go ahead and remind everyone that I do study the Vedic sidereal system of astrology and that means it's different than the western tropical system. If you would like to learn more about the difference between western and Vedic astrology, you can go to my website innerknowing.yoga, click on media and then astrology now. I have a podcast embedded there that shares the difference between western and Vedic astrology. I also have playlists available on Spotify that can help you learn about the houses and the planets and the signs, anything that you may be interested in for Vedic astrology. And if you want to calculate your birth chart, go to my website, go to offerings and then chart to calculate your birth chart. So while I am recording this, it is 8.32pm on Thursday, Thursday the 19th. And what that means is that I'm recording this so much later than I normally do. I have been so busy lately and I feel that Mercury retrograde is really kind of keeping me from moving forward in some of these things. And like there are postponements and delays and obstructions and it's just like, uh, it just feels like I'm like running in sand, running uphill, whatever kind of analogy you'd like to use. I know that I'm going somewhere, but it just feels slower and more difficult. So if you're feeling that way too, it could be because it's Mercury retrograde and we are kind of on the outswing of eclipse season. All of that to say, <laughs> I uh, did a poll on Instagram or like did a question. And I was like, what should I record about? Because it's 6pm and I'm exhausted. <laughs> and um, Emily, who if y'all aren't familiar with Emily, Emily is actually working with me. She helps me with um, newsletters and she helps me with a lot of different stuff with astrology now. She's absolutely invaluable. And she requested synastry. And so I love synastry. She loves talking about synastry. So I decided to do another synastry podcast. And I want to apologize to Emily in advance, because she is very well versed in all of this. And this is going to be a super simple podcast. <laughs> so if you already know a lot about synastry, who knows, there might be something that you could learn here that's of value. And if you're totally new to synastry, this is for you. I'm going to make this as basic as I possibly can. I have made podcasts before on Sinistry that were literally like hours. I think I did a video on YouTube that was like over an hour. I think my podcast on Sinistry that I've made before was like really long. Also, this one, I'm like intentionally going to make it as easy as I possibly can. So in Vedic astrology, there are a few different systems to calculate compatibility. And so if you have a program, there are programs that will generate different methods of compatibility. And those are cool, you know, they're super interesting and valuable. I always really like to map it out myself and look at things for myself. Um, and not necessarily just take into account the program, I like to kind of see things for myself too. And so synastry is when we look at two charts and we determine two or more, you know, we do this with multiple charts, 
And we can determine how those charts are going to interact with each other. And so understanding synastry really can help us navigate dating when we really understand it well. And let me backtrack a little bit. Understanding Vedic astrology will help us understand the people in our lives better, which can definitely help things be more harmonious. And then if we are searching for new friends or new partners, first of all, it's like our intuition is great, you know, and we're going to know the types of people that we're drawn to. And the synastry and understanding the synastry can help us profoundly when it comes to dating. And I think that we need to be very well versed in astrology before we actually use it. Um, if we try to utilize synastry to like choose a partner, it'd probably be best to have a professional astrologer help with that, a professional matchmaker perhaps. But once you become well versed in synastry and you learn a lot about your own chart and your own tendencies, you learn a lot about your own compatibility. Synastry becomes such a valuable tool, but I want to say like cautionary tale when I, for, it's going to take me a while to get to the synastry, so hopefully y'all are okay with this. It's, it's 827, it's story time. So when I was, oh my gosh, when I was first studying Vedic astrology years ago, I had this best friend <laughs> and he like did yoga like the same type of yoga that I did and he rock climbed and we like hiked together and he was like my best friend and like we had this like really wonderful relationship and I knew obviously like I could feel the compatibility we hung out all the time and I did his chart again this was like way before I knew anything about it and I was like, oh, man, okay, he's like got this and he's got this, like, we're probably not compatible. So we're gonna like keep this like a friend zone type of thing. And so we did. And there were other reasons too. But a lot of it was about the chart. And then I ended up looking at his chart years later, like, you know, maybe, I don't know, four years ago, something like that. And we're like, absurdly compatible. <laughs> It's like I knew that intuitively. I felt that, but I wanted to use the astrology. I didn't know what I was doing, and that's the result. Okay, so I'm sharing this story because sometimes we think we know what we're looking at, but we don't. So the intention of this podcast is to share with you some of the main factors to look at in compatibility, some of the most important elements that are going to show like natural connection, natural chemistry, really positive green flags in the compatibility of two charts. But this is not the end all be all. If you want to use astrology to really enhance your relationship or your connection, please consult with a professional astrologer. Okay. Hopefully that was helpful. So this is not intended to <laughs> be any type of like matchmaking process necessarily. So as I was mentioning, synastry is when we look at two charts and assess the compatibility between the two charts. And I get this question a lot, like what signs are best for me? You know, what signs should I be drawn to? The three really important planets to look at when assessing synastry, and I suppose I should say four signs, um, four facets, are going to be the moon, the sun, Venus, 
and the ascendant, the sign of the ascendant. So the sun, the moon, and Venus are very personal planets. The sun has so much to do with our vigor, like our vitality, what makes us shine. It has so much to do with the soul. You know, the sun is the original Atmakarka. So it has the soulful connection. And it's also very passionate too. The moon, and the sun is the ego, right? The moon is so profoundly important. The moon is going to be our mind, our emotions, our personality. Vedic astrology is a lunar-based system. So that means that the position of the moon and what the moon is doing is really of utmost importance. So we want to see the moon, and then we want to see Venus. Venus is the karka, which means the significator of relationships, love, romance, etc. So Venus is how we give and receive love, how we give and receive intimacy. Venus is procreation. So Venus also is going to really be important to look at when assessing overall compatibility. The ascendant is important because the ascendant represents us and who we are in this world. Therefore, across from the ascendant, which is the seventh house, that can represent our opposite. Okay, and so both of those can come into play with compatibility. So I really encourage you to pull up your own chart. You can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, calculate your chart, calculate the chart of someone you love. And the cool thing about synastry is that having the birth time is important, but you can do a lot of this without the birth time also. So look at the position of the moon. See if the, the partner's chart, the other person's chart, if the moon, sun, or Venus is in close degrees to the moon, that's already really good compatibility. Now, we can also do the opposite. Is the moon, sun, or Venus opposing your natal moon? So, for example, if your moon is in Gemini, if somebody has moon, sun, or Venus in Gemini, specifically in close degrees to your moon, that's already a sign that this person is going to naturally understand you, naturally get you. There's like this really sweet, familiar resonance, especially like the moon and the sun. That's like very sweet. The sun and the moon can also, you know, it almost creates this like brightening effect. But we can also do the opposite. So we look at the moon and then look opposite of the moon. Moon, sun, or Venus opposite of the moon is also very positive. If your moon is in Gemini, if the other person, if the partner has moon, sun, or Venus in Sagittarius. So look at your moon, Venus, and sun sign. <laughs> look at the sign and then the opposite sign. If your partner has any of those combinations, that is already a pretty nice indication of compatibility. So I was using the moon as an example, but it works with the sun or Venus. So if your Venus is in Capricorn and your partner's moon, sun, Venus is in Capricorn or in Cancer, 
the opposite. If your moon, sun, or Venus is in Aquarius and your partner's moon, sun, or Venus is in Aquarius or in Leo. So again, it can be any of those combinations. That's a really nice place to start. Looking at the ascendant, this is also really sweet. If you're a Scorpio ascendant and your partner has moon, sun, Venus, and Scorpio, the moon, again, it gives a natural trust, natural understanding. I'm a Cancer rising. You would have no idea how many Cancerian people I have in my life, Cancer rising and Cancer moon. They're everywhere. Um... Venus gives a natural attraction, a natural sweetness. The sun, again, it gives that glowing effect. It gives a power and a vitality. It almost makes people feel more courageous, okay? So if your partner has moon, sun, or Venus in the same sign as your ascendant, but it could also be the seventh house. So if your partner has moon, sun, or Venus in Capricorn, if we're using the uh, Cancer example, if you are a, which sign have I not used yet? If you are a Taurus ascendant and your partner has Venus, sun, moon in Scorpio, that is the effect I'm trying to create. So the same creates the familiar energy, the, the deep connection, the deep understanding. The opposing planets create a dichotomy. It's like the opposite attracts type of energy. It's like more of the, ah, you're different. You're teaching me something. You balance me out. There's like something here that's, you know, creating that polarity between us. I see the world this way. You see the world that way. We can teach one another and we keep the energy like neutral and harmonious. Like that's what happens when we have planets that are opposing or planets in the seventh house. When planets are in the same sign or in the first house, that's more of like a, I get you. Like you get me, you understand me. We see eye to eye on things. We may even, like depending on the sign, <laughs> it depends on the sign, but sometimes maybe we could even bump heads a little bit because it's like we're, we're you know, so much the same, but we can mirror each other and we can learn about ourselves really deeply in that way because you're mirroring my qualities. And when planets are in the same sign like that, it really does, it can be incredibly passionate too. So that would be some of the first things to look for when it comes to synastry. Other important things to look for is the position of Mars and Venus once again. This is a big one. So we discussed the meaning of Venus. Mars is the planet of passion and initiation. It also has a lot to do with like sexuality. It's just a very like hot, passionate, initiating planet. And it has a lot to do with attraction. So if your Mars is in the same sign or opposing someone's Venus, closer degrees, the more intense, that can show a ton of attraction. So if your Mars is in Pisces and their Venus is in Pisces, if your Mars is in Pisces and their Venus is in Virgo, so it, it can work again with the same sign or in the opposing sign. Mars and Venus creates so much tension, um, really intense kind of energy and draw, you know, and, and notice the degrees. The next thing I will say to look for is the position of Jupiter. Jupiter is the great benefic. 
It's expansive, generous, optimistic, fun, happy, go lucky. Like Jupiter helps us feel at ease and helps us feel again like the glass is half full. It helps us see the bright side of things. So if Jupiter is on one of those personal planets, moon, sun, Venus, that's really positive. If Jupiter is on the ascendant or even in the seventh house for someone, that can be very positive. So if you are a, let's see, Aries rising and your partner has Jupiter in Aries, that's really nice. If you have Sun, Moon, or Venus in Aries and someone has Jupiter in Aries, that's also very nice. All right. Or just Jupiter aspecting the moon. So if you're familiar with aspects, if Jupiter is aspecting the moon or if it's conjunct the moon, very sweet for compatibility. I've had personal experience with this and it goes a long way. The protection of Jupiter can go a long way and Venus too. Both of those planets can really help uh, support relationship. So I have a few more things to mention here. I hope that y'all are following. I hope that's understandable. Rahu and Ketu. These are the karmic nodes of the moon, as we know. Rahu is the compulsive, obsessive, forward-moving karma, while Ketu is the past life karma, things that we've completed and mastered before. We will see so many connections with Rahu and Ketu when assessing sinistry. Rahu and Ketu are often involved. And I did a YouTube video on this where I show just all of these long-term celebrity couples with this connection between K2 and Venus. So we'll talk more about that. But when you're looking at your own chart, you will likely find that at some point in your life, if you've had a few partners by now, that there's a pattern with Rahu and K2 and planets in your partner's charts. It's a very interesting thing to do. I always have a K2 Jupiter connection. It is so odd. <laughs> like I, I don't know how many people I've dated where my K2 is on their Jupiter. But um, just notice if you can go back and again, you can even just pull up their date of birth to see where the planets were to see um, if there's some connection there. So for Rahu and K2, we want to see if either your Rahu or Ketu or their Rahu and Ketu are in the same sign as the personal planets, Moon, Sun, Venus, but they could also be on the Ascendant, Seventh House, or even like I was mentioning earlier, like you may find there's a pattern with Jupiter or Saturn or something like that. But the ones that I see most often are Rahu and K2 connections with Sun, Moon, Venus. So just to break that down again, if your K2 is in a sign, okay, the sign that your K2 is in, it is not going to be uncommon to be drawn to people who have Sun, Moon, or Venus in the same sign as your K2. Because K2 is past life, Past life connections, familiarity, like something that you've done before, people just gravitate towards those K2 connections. So if your moon is in the same sign as your partner's K2, if your Venus is in the same sign as their K2, sun is in the same sign, or vice versa, 
it's going to create that effect. And again, I see this over and over and over again. The most common, again, in long-term relationships is the Venus K2 connection from what I've seen. Then, and again, that's like limited information, right? For what it's worth in my experience from the research that I've done, that's what I've seen. But that's, again, for what it's worth. Then we want to look at Rahu. So Rahu creates a different energy. (laughs) It brings people together and it keeps people together. It's just not the same type of energy as K2 is. So Rahu is much more of this compulsion, like you have to be with this person. It's this very strong magnetic pool. And it could be that in this life, there is karma that you really need to reconcile. And with everyone that comes into our life, there's karma that needs to be reconciled. Um, But with Rahu especially, you know, perhaps there are really specific, potent, lessons that you're going to learn or derive from this person because again there's that obsession and that pull that drive to really be with someone it creates um more of a like um electric connection it's not as cozy and as familiar as the k2 connection the k2 eases people helps you feel familiar and comfortable at home rahu is that like oh god i have butterflies because this person like i'm obsessed with this person like ah, i'm so in love with them and there's a time and place for both of those things both of them are good they're just different so rahu I also want to mention with K2 before we move forward, notice if K2 is in the first house or the seventh house with synastry. So if someone's K2 is in the same sign as your rising sign or your seventh house, we can do the same thing with Rahu. Okay, everything that I just said with K2, we can do the same thing with Rahu. Look at the sign that your Rahu is in. Partner's chart, if sun, moon, or Venus are in the same sign that your Rahu is in, or vice versa, if your Sun, Moon, or Venus is in the same sign as your partner's Rahu, it's going to create that connection that I was just describing. The closer the degrees, the more intense. We also want to see if Rahu falls in the seventh house or the first house for either chart. Really deep karmic connections when we involve Rahu and Ketu. So those are going to be incredibly important. But again, it's that impulse, electric (laughs) craze versus the cozy, comfortable, like, ah, you know, relaxation. So we want to look at the Rahu K2 and, and have an understanding of what it can create. And Rahu is also like both of them, both of the karmic nodes have this kind of illusionary nature to them. So we do need to be mindful of the connections they make and how we conduct ourselves in relationship. It can help us be more aware. And, you know, I'm really focusing on the moon, sun and Venus because I want to make things simple. But it's really important to remember that we're considering all of the planets and we're considering the houses that they're in and the aspects that they're casting. It's really um, what I'm sharing is very, very, very basic. This is just the tip of the iceberg. So please understand that I'm making this for simplicity's sake. And this is a really good starting point. But it is a very complicated system. Okay. So the final point I'll make before wrapping up is the Atma Karka and the Dara Karka. 
And so the Atma Karka in Vedic astrology is the planet that is holding the highest degrees. So if you're unfamiliar with what I'm referring to, go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, calculate your birth chart. You'll see ASC, which is the Ascendant, Sun, Moon, Mars, Mercury, Jupiter, etc. Right next to the planet, there are numbers. And so the highest number that you see is going to be the Atma Karka. And it's also possible that Rahu is the Atma Karka, in which case you would look for Rahu having the lowest degrees. And there are 30 degrees in a sign. So essentially, we're just trying to figure out the planet that has been in the sign the longest. So you keep in mind that all of the planets have 30 degrees. Rahu is moving backwards. So if you have a planet, for example, that's 28 degrees, and your Rahu is at 5 degrees, um, the planet at 28 degrees is still the Atmakarka. But if you have a planet and the highest number that you see is 24 degrees and Rahu is at 5 degrees, then Rahu would be your Atmakarka because there is less of a difference from 5 to 0 than there is from 24 to 30. I know that it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry, Evie is saying hi. She hasn't been on here in a while, so her time is due. So... You can also find an Atmakarka calculator online, which may be a little bit more easy, okay? So find your Atmakarka and understand that the Atmakarka is going to signify who you are, what you're in this world to be about. That planet is going to give so much insight into the type of energy that you're meant to embody and express and share. Then you want to look at the Karka. The Karka is the planet with the lowest degrees. So then you find the planet with the lowest degrees. That indicates your partner and the journey of your partner. So if your Atmakarka is Saturn and your Karka is Venus, and then you find a partner whose Atmakarka is Venus and their Karka is Saturn, that's a really nice launching pad like place to start again it's not the end-all be-all but it's something to consider it could even be that your Dara Karka is Mars and your partner's Mars is in the first house or your Dara Karka is Venus and your partner has moon and Venus conjoined so there's this really prominent quality of the Dara Karka in their chart does that make sense? So whatever your Dara Karka is, whatever planet that is, it could be your partner's Atma Karka, meaning their planet with highest degrees, or it could be that that planet just plays a heavy role in their chart. It's creating a powerful yoga, it's conjoined the moon, etc. So I saved the little bit more challenging part for last. I hope that this was helpful just to review everything that we covered tonight. We spoke about synastry and what synastry can be used for, how deep and complicated synastry can be and how we should not use it as a tool for dating unless we are very well versed or again consulting a professional astrologer and the simple things to look for in the beginning are going to be the moon sun and venus in relationship to the partner's moon sun or venus are they close together in degrees are they opposing signs so same sign opposing sign in our first house in our seventh house so does the partner's planets have the same sign or the opposite sign of our moon sun or venus our first house sign or our seventh house sign 
We want to look at Mars and Venus. Are they conjoined in synastry? Meaning, do we have the same Mars placement as our partner's Venus or vice versa? Do we have an opposing Venus or Mars? So is our partner's Venus or Mars opposed from our natal Venus or Mars? The position of Jupiter and Jupiter's aspects, the Rahu-K2 connections, the famous connections of Rahu and K2, are they in the same sign as literally any of our partner's planets, but particularly the Sun, Moon, and Venus? And then we spoke about the Atmakarka and the Karka. So I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you learned something new. I know that this can be kind of complicated to follow without visuals, but I tried to make it, again, as simple probably not as simple as I could, but as simple as I could while still trying to offer maybe something new and, um, you know, maybe something that stretches the brain a little bit. If you have any questions, you're always welcome to message me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to my website and schedule a compatibility reading at innerknowing.yoga. My Patreon is patreon.com slash astrologynow. I think it's Astrology Now Podcast, patreon.com slash astrologynowpodcast, where I offer weekly horoscopes for each of the 12 zodiac signs. And my Instagram is astrologynow underscore podcast, where I sometimes post polls to invite you all to help me with podcast options. (laughs) So thank you so much. I appreciate you for listening. I am looking forward to seeing you all next week. Again, my name is Christine. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much.